We have an all-hands-on-deck situation here in America this morning. Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Donald Trump's lapdog and pit bull, Jim Jordan, who refuses to answer subpoenas and explain what he knows about January 6th and what he said to Donald Trump throughout the day on January 6th, Jim Jordan could be on the verge of becoming Speaker of the House of Representatives. Now, conventional wisdom is he's 40 votes shy. The word is that a lot of Republicans in the House don't want to reward his bad behavior. But in what I can only describe as a mini January 6th, throughout the weekend, there's been a level of bullying going on within the Republican caucus that's simply unprecedented. In the past, speakers in the Republican Party rose to power through horse trading, backroom deals. But what we're hearing now is that Jim Jordan and the moneyed interests behind him are targeting 18 members of the Republican caucus who represent purple districts. Purple districts because these are districts that Joe Biden won in 2020. Congressman Mike Lawler, for example, he's uh, from upstate New York. He, along with 17 other Republicans who know they're going to lose in 2024 with Jim Jordan as their speaker, are being targeted by Jim Jordan. Jordan has a huge machine behind him targeting these districts through robocalls, television and radio ads, pressuring these moderates in purple districts to fold and vote for this crypto-fascist bully, Jim Jordan, who is a liar and a mortal threat to our democracy. He is a cheat who stands for nothing other than power and getting even. He's a vindictive prick, and that is why Donald Trump wants Jim Dor Jordan to become the next speaker. Jordan, as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, has trafficked in conspiracy theories about everything from Hunter Biden to Alvin Bragg to Fawny Willis. And he's been intimidating uh, anyone who's a prosecutor trying to indict and then put Donald Trump behind bars. Jim Jordan, I'm no fan of the Republican Party, but he is not the Republican Party. Jim Jordan is the Republican Party the same way Hamas is the Palestinian people. He doesn't represent the Republicans yet. He's getting there yet. Now, some say, some over the weekend told me, don't worry, he doesn't stand a chance. But I don't want to risk it. A lot of people on our side are turning into accelerationists. They want things to get so bad for the Republicans that the Republicans will completely fall apart. And then America will go, aha, OK, now we get it. But that's not how things work in America and around the world. People get power because they want it more than anyone else does. Bibi Netanyahu is only holding on to a a 0.05% majority in the Israeli parliament. But just like George W. Bush, who lost the popular vote in 2000, and he lost Florida, if the votes were all counted, 
just like these two, uh, Jim Jordan will take a seemingly what he considers a mandate, a non-existent margin. He will convince himself is a mandate and push through his unpopular bills and punishments. Donald Trump also lost the popular vote in 2016, but he took that as a mandate anyway. Jim Jordan will steal the speakership. He will bully and threaten his way to become speaker. And then he'll take it as a popular mandate because he's a fascist. And fascists don't care about the will of the people. They force their own will onto the people. Now, I hope conventional wisdom is correct. I hope my friends are right that Jim Jordan will lose tomorrow. Remember, this guy, unlike Scalise, is willing to go 15 rounds because he, like Donald Trump, enjoys a show. He likes a wrestling match. Trump will be whipping votes for him the same way he whipped votes for McCarthy. And at some point, Jordan, I fear, will go from appearing like the firebrand to the compromise candidate. That's what happens often. When you go 15, 40 rounds, an exhausted Republican caucus might throw up their hands after getting so much pressure and dirt thrown at them. They'll just conclude, you know, we need a speaker for the good of the country. We might as well give it to the guy who wants it the most. And the guys who want it the most are the most dangerous people to give power to. Jim Jordan, like Donald Trump, is a whiny little brat. They don't deserve anything, but they just won't stop asking for it. We've all been in office work situations like that, where they just give it to the whiny brat so he shuts up and goes away. But these guys don't go away. Now, everyone this morning is saying Jim Jordan doesn't have 217. Again, I think they're right on the first round of balloting. But Republican principles, whatever they are, will go out the window when their vote is out in the open. This isn't secret ballot. When it gets to the floor, it's wide open. And Jordan and his MAGA attack machine know who their enemy is and how to make them bend. I'm going to read you, if you want to do your civic duty, I'm going to give you the names of these 18 vulnerable Republican members of Congress who you might want to give a call to or email and tell them, and you got to do it right now because the vote is scheduled probably for maybe Tuesday at noon, possibly Wednesday at noon. It could be Tuesday at noon. I'm going to read the names of these 18 Republican members of Congress who are getting thumb screws applied to them right now to vote for Jim Jordan. Call them, send them an email, tell them you would not vote for them. You will withhold donations if they vote for Jordan as speaker. Let them know that under no conditions will you accept them voting for Jim Jordan. Their names are David Schweikert, Arizona, Tom Keene from New Jersey, Juan Siscomani from Arizona, Nick Lalata from New York, John Duarte, California, 
George Santos. I'll have more about him. David Valadeo in California. Anthony Desposito in New York. Mike Garcia, California. Mike Lawler, New York. Michael Michelle, I'm sorry, Michelle Steele, California. A lot of people from New York and California in purple districts. Brandon Williams, New York. Uh, Don Bacon in Nebraska. Lori Chavez-Duremer, Oregon. Jen Kiggins, Virginia. Brian Fitzpatrick, Pennsylvania. Young Kim, California. Mark Molinaro, New York. A lot of people in purple districts from California and New York, and they are getting pressured not to vote, to vote for Jim Jordan for speaker. And uh, I know a lot of Democrats think, well, Jordan as speaker will be good for the Democrats. Well, these are the same fools who thought Trump winning in 2016 would be good for the Democrats. We came within a hair on January 6th of Trump refusing to leave office. Sometimes we forget how evil these people are. So call these members of Congress immediately. Call one, call 18. Email them. Google their names. Their phone numbers and emails are easy to discover. It's time for our little green bay sweep. Let's let's just flood the zone with phone calls. Uh, members of Congress are due back in Washington later this afternoon. They late they will meet this evening to go over the rules for Tuesday's noon vote for speaker. That's the word. There's going to be they're going to take Jordan to the floor on Tuesday. And so call them now. Uh, Jordan's, Jordan has powerful people behind him, Kevin McCarthy and Donald Trump. And this is a party that runs on fear, fear of losing power and fear of being hurt physically or fear of being exposed, having some of their secrets revealed. And this is not an exaggeration. I've mentioned this on the show countless times. Th- these Congress people are being threatened physically, physically threatened. You know, uh, Donald Trump took office in 2017. I've gone over this. By 2019, moderate Republicans headed for the doors. And when asked why they were leaving Washington, in private, all these moderate Republicans said they feared for their own physical safety. So call these members of Congress Uh, There are three other Republicans who, according to The Guardian this morning, they are hard nose on Jordan. They refuse to vote for Jordan. So they say Mike Rogers of Alabama, John Rutherford from Florida and Carlos Jimenez from Florida. You might want to contact them as well. Like I said, a floor vote is scheduled for as early as noon tomorrow. Write these 21 names down, the 18 you see on your screen, and write down Mike Rogers of Alabama, John Rutherford, and Carlos Jimenez of Florida. Uh, If they flip, if any of them end up voting for Jim Jordan, ask yourself why. What kind of pressure was put on them? This is... When they talk about an existential threat to democracy, Jim Jordan becoming speaker is January 6th, part two, but this time it's legal. This is 
I'm not as sanguine as my smarter friends who say he doesn't have a, a choice. He is physically menacing, as is Donald Trump. And one of the people who requires round-the-clock security these days is Judge Tanya Chutkin, who, when she learned that the 2020 election interference case would end up in her Washington, D.C. courtroom, told friends, please pray for me. Today, she will hold hearings to determine whether to issue a gag order that shuts Donald Trump up after he continues to intimidate witnesses by calling them, quote, gutless pigs, or calling Jack Smith, the special counsel, and his team of prosecutors, quote, a team of thugs. Any other United States citizen under criminal indictment who talked this way, issuing veiled and not-so-veiled threats, well, he would await trial in a jail cell. Now, Judge Chutkin is expected to decide on the gag order sometime this week. And the question is, how would she enforce a Donald Trump gag order? When he breaks it, does she fine him or lock him up? And if she locks him up, what are the political consequences? Personally, I think even Republicans, I mean, not the Trump supporters, but I think even Republicans uh, would love to see him locked up. I think people who are voting for DeSantis or Vivek, well, maybe not Vivek Ramaswamy, but Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, I think they would love to see Donald Trump get locked up before his trial. And his bikers that are supposedly going to come out better, they come out of the woodwork now while Merrick Garland is running the Justice Department than, God forbid, Donald Trump's pick for justice is running it. Jim Jordan is fighting for the top job in Congress this morning. Speaker of the House, many say, is the second most powerful job in Washington. Here is Pete Aguilar of California. He's second in command to Hakeem Jeffries in the Democratic leadership. He also sat on the January 6th committee. Here is Congressman Pete Aguilar. But House Republicans are intent on doubling down and have chosen to nominate a vocal election denier in Jim Jordan, a man whose rhetoric and partisanship fomented the January 6th attack on this very building, on these very steps. A man who to this day has not answered for his role in that attack and refuses to comply with a lawful and legal subpoena by this body. Someone who ignored the powers of this body has no right to lead this chamber. Let me be clear. Jim Jordan is a threat to our democracy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Amen. Republicans have a problem because they can't run on their record. They must lie. They must cheat and steal because they have a record they can't run on. They have a record that they can only run away from. They keep lying. They keep lying. Uh, they keep lying that all of Joe Biden's fiscal stimulus and, and job growth has come with a huge price, and that price is inflation. But the truth is inflation is now down 60% since last summer. 
Biden is the envy of the G7 nation leaders. He boasts the lowest inflation rate of any country in the industrialized world. As of September, 17 states now have unemployment rates below 3%. Yes, you heard me correctly. 17 states now have unemployment rates below 3%. This makes Republicans dangerous. They can't run against Joe Biden. They must spread lies, create scandals where none exist. And they know they can't win, so they must steal. These unemployment numbers don't humble the GOP. They enrage them because their donors are terrified of higher taxes and more regulation. Republicans were sent to Washington to destroy, to destroy it for the ruling class, and they will destroy it by any means necessary, even stealing elections, which they do. America is back to work. We are witnessing the largest job expansion in modern American history with inflation heading down. We are at a 20-year high for the share of working-age Americans in the workforce, and this means a lot. When unemployment numbers come down, a lot of people on the other side say, oh, yeah, unemployment numbers are coming down because a lot of people just gave up looking for work. Well, that could be true. Uh, when people stop looking for work, they're no longer factored into the unemployment rate. But this statistic says everything. Right now, Biden is delivering the largest share of working Americans since 2003 which means these unemployment numbers are not being fudged. Manufacturing coming back. Since Biden took office, spending on factory construction has doubled. During the four years Trump was in office, he was, remember, the businessman who promised to create jobs, save the Rust Belt. He lost more jobs. Donald Trump lost more jobs than any president in American history since Herbert Hoover and the Great Depression. So during the Biden administration, manufacturing has doubled since he took office, whereas under Trump, spending on factory construction only grew 2%. Again, Joe Biden has created more jobs than any president in modern American history. Donald Trump has lost more jobs than any president in modern American history, but he gave a tax cut to the richest 1% that added $8 trillion to our debt, and they want him back. The rich want Trump back. They want more taxes cut. They can't get the American people to vote for them, so they steal. They steal or refuse to leave office on January 6th. Look, Joe Biden didn't raise the minimum wage. There are a lot of things he failed to accomplish so far. Hey, I didn't want Joe Biden. I wanted Bernie. I wanted Elizabeth Warren. Joe Biden was in fifth place until the Democratic machine put their thumbs on the scale and got him to win South Carolina. I didn't want Biden. I wanted Bernie, but I voted for Biden because Trump is a fascist. I voted for Biden because Noam Chomsky and Ralph Nader voted for Biden. And I'm voting for Biden in 2024 because that's all we got. 
He's not Franklin Roosevelt, but he may be Abraham Lincoln. The way things are going, you get Jim Jordan as speaker, he may be Abraham Lincoln, who, by the way, I didn't vote for either. Here are some facts. 13.9 million new jobs across America since he took office. It's phenomenal. 815,000 manufacturing jobs. That's double four years in office for Donald Trump. Unemployment remains below 4% for the past 20 months. It's the longest winning streak since the 1960s. Now, not all of them are union jobs, but every job created by the Inflation Reduction Act, the CHIPS Act, and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act must pay a livable wage, and there are triggers that either encourage those jobs to be union or become union. Now, it's not good enough, but I wanted Bernie. Okay? Biden is, uh, Biden is stepping up. 85,000 healthcare workers with Kaiser Permanente over the weekend seem to have reached a tentative agreement, and it looks like that strike is ending. They got something like more than a 20% raise. Uh, and that's partly thanks to Joe Biden, who sent his labor secretary into the bargaining room. Uh, when's the last time we had a president who not only marched with striking auto workers, but sent his labor secretary into the bargaining room with the three automakers. Female unemployment just hit the lowest in 70 years. We have record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanics, and people with disabilities. Hey, I wanted Bernie. I know that half this country can't come up with $500 for a medical emergency. We're not getting Medicare for all, okay? But I also know that the Republicans can't win against Biden's record, which is why they suppressed the vote, gerrymander, and literally stormed the Capitol, resorting to physical violence. And the better the job Biden does, the better his record, the more dangerous the Republicans will become, which is why Jim Jordan, I think, has a much better chance of becoming speaker. If you can't, if you can't defeat your opponent, then destroy them. Destroy the playing field. Destroy the game. Play a different game. That's what Republicans are doing right now. They can't win the game of democracy. Here is Democratic whip Catherine Clark responding to the news that the Republicans have nominated this mortal threat to democracy, Jim Jordan, for speaker. Instead of choosing the American people, they are once again choosing Donald Trump. That is absolutely correct. He is a surrogate for Donald Trump. He is Donald Trump's pit bull and lapdog. What would a Jordan speakership look like? I don't know. It would be very ugly. Ugly for America, ugly for the Democrats, and ugly for Republicans. McCarthy, who they got rid of, Kevin McCarthy, a speaker, they got rid of him. He was a monster 
at fundraising. He was great at fundraising. Scalise, I think Scalise in 10 years raised $200 million. And word is Wall Street will not touch Jordan. They will not donate to Jim Jordan. So he has no money to hand out. Trump is beholden to small donors. Jordan will probably end up beholden to one or two gigantic donors. He'll be working for a very select few consortia of insurance and oil companies and then the Christian right. Uh, Here's more from Democratic whip Catherine Clark explaining why Jordan will be depending on donations, especially from the hard Christian right. He has voted to ban abortion nationwide with no exceptions for rape or incest. He will run Congress if he becomes speaker. He will run Congress the same way he won it with an iron fist. The only way Jim Jordan can win is through physical, psychological intimidation and dirt. He will run it the same way. More from Catherine Clark the Democratic whip. He has voted to shut down the government and force our troops to work without pay. He has voted to gut Social Security and Medicare. Steve Scalise has been very quiet. Remember Steve Scalise? Up until Thursday, he was the nominee for speaker. There have been rumors of some kind of power sharing agreement where maybe Jim Jordan becomes speaker, but Scalise as majority leader will serve as some sort of co-equal partner. They're meeting later today. But so far, we haven't heard an endorsement from Steve Scalise. At least I haven't. Leave a comment if you've heard otherwise. Last Wednesday did not end well after Scalise beat Jordan. Do you remember? On Wednesday, Scalise beat Jordan. Jordan took it hard. He pointed his finger in Scalise's chest and said, you get one round of balloting, and then after you go down, you nominate me. And then he stormed out of the room, screaming, America wants me. That's what he screamed in front of the entire Republican caucus. America wants me. Jordan, to his credit, did publicly, he publicly declared his support for Scalise after he lost. We have not heard Scalise publicly endorse Jordan after his victory on Friday. I expect by the end of today, Steve Scalise will endorse Jim Jordan. And this is what makes me scared. I suspect Steve Scalise will endorse Jim Jordan. He'll say it's for the good of the party and there'll be some kind of power sharing agreement. I, I don't know how hard Scalise will work behind the scenes getting Jordan to 217. It all depends on what kind of power sharing agreement they worked out. I doubt it will be co-equal or Scalise will think it's co-equal and then Jordan will screw him. Uh, I don't know. More from Democratic whip Catherine Clark on why Jim Jordan is a mortal threat to American democracy. He was directly involved in the right-wing coup that sought to overturn the 2020 election. That's right. That is correct. He was talking to 
Donald Trump. In the weeks leading up to January 6th, he spoke to Donald Trump before the insurrection on January 6th. He spoke to Donald Trump after the, the insurrection on January 6th, and he refused a subpoena. He would not go before the January 6th committee. Before McCarthy was the leader of the House Republicans, it was the odious Paul Ryan who quit because he couldn't deal with the Freedom Caucus, which Jim Jordan co-founded in 2015, along with Mark Meadows and several other political degenerates. Before Paul Ryan, John Boehner was the speaker, and he had to quit, but not before Mark Meadows staged a failed coup against him. Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's chief of staff, who's now on trial in Georgia, Mark Meadows staged a failed coup uh, and tried to get rid of Boehner. He failed, and then Meadows went into Boehner's office and literally got down on his hands and knees, I'm not making this up, and begged Boehner for forgiveness. That's primarily why I want Meadows locked up, just for getting on his hands and knees, being so obsequious, like, you know, like a Uriah Heap begging for forgiveness after he tried to cut the king's head off. Here is how John Boehner describes Jim Jordan. Quote, I just never saw a guy before who spent more time tearing things apart, never building anything, never putting anything together. Boehner then added, the man is a political terrorist. This is what we're looking at as a possible speaker, a political terrorist, a man who didn't come to Washington, D.C. to build anything, put anything together just to destroy Hunter Biden's life, for example. This past weekend, House Republicans were not being wooed by Jim Jordan. They were being threatened. Now, here's I think we all know how this works. People like Jim Jordan study everybody's weaknesses. They look around. They get to know every Republican member of the House. They fish for the answer to one question. What makes this person weak and how can I use it? That's how Trump operates. It's why everyone who works closely with Trump must be weak they all have dirty, dark secrets. The men are all physically violent. I've gone over the list. And the ones who didn't have too many secrets, who didn't have major weaknesses to exploit, he didn't want to hire them. He had to appoint them to placate the party, and they didn't last long. This weekend, people from Jim Jordan's office were threatening the holdouts. This is how fascists win and how they rule. What is your secret? What is your weakness? How do I exploit it? There are reports that since Jordan was nominated, the bullying has become so outlandish, some Republicans privately admit they'd rather see Hakeem Jeffries as speaker. He's the Democratic minority leader. Some Republicans are privately admitting that Republicans are much better 
and more effective on the sidelines, pissing on ideas rather than coming up with any of their own. There are a few Republicans, and remember, it only takes four to tank Jordan. There are some Republicans who are supposedly willing to walk away from their seats, hire round-the-clock security, and either vote present tomorrow or fail to even show up. One person fails to show up or vote present. That lowers the threshold to 216. Now, uh, Hakeem Jeffries is guaranteed 212. He, He just needs three or four Republicans who've had enough of this or not to show up, to get stuck in traffic. Millions have been spent pressuring about 64 Republicans over the weekend who Jordan has isolated as holdouts. There's an advertising blitz in their districts. If you live in their districts, you're hearing, call your congressman and tell tell them to vote for Jim Jordan for speaker. And Trump is calling calling these members of Congress. There are robocalls going out all weekend. So again, conventional wisdom is Jim Jordan doesn't stand a chance. Conventional wisdom is there are 40 hard no's in the Republican caucus. I hope my friends are right. I agree that Jim Jordan doesn't stand a chance on the first ballot. But I think by the time we get to the 15th ballot, he will have worn everyone down by any means necessary. Texas Congressman Chip Roy, one of the two members of the Freedom Caucus, who voted to certify the election for Joe Biden after January 6, he says he's looking for the fight. He loves a fight. He endorsed Jim Jordan. He says, bring it on. He literally said, bring it on. Uh, Chip Roy said Jordan should fight it out on the floor. This is what Marjorie Taylor Greene said. Fight it out on the floor. He said status quo cowards will push back. But he said if free spending Republicans and defense establishment bureaucrats want to fight, well, game on. That's what he said. You want to fight? Game on. Well, this has the potential to be compelling political theater, much better than it was back in January when, if you remember, Republican Mike Rogers of Alabama had to be physically restrained from whipping off his toupee and shoving it down Matt Gates's throat. Rogers, at the time, was a supporter of McCarthy, and Gates, as you remember, wasn't. Mike Rogers chairs the Armed Services Committee, so he likes a fight. He is a hard no on Jordan. He says there's no way he will vote for Jim Jordan. He said he has reached out to Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic minority leader, to see what concessions Jeffries is willing to make uh, to help Republicans elect a speaker. Now, Rogers, there are no Republicans who will publicly vote for Hakeem Jeffries. 
So they're trying to woo Hakeem Jeffries to vote, or get some Democrats to vote for this imaginary savior of the Republican caucus that doesn't exist. The other way this can go, like I just said, is 10 Republicans don't show up. You know, bad clams. They were serving bad clams in the cafeteria. Couldn't make it. And Hakeem Jeffries becomes speaker. Again, uh, this is what Mike Rogers of Alabama and his toupee say. They say there's nothing Jim Jordan can do to get his support for speaker. Now, there's a meeting tonight. We'll see if Mike Rogers of Alabama comes around. It's urgent, I think, that you call these members of Congress in purple districts. David Schweikert, Arizona. Tom Keene from New Jersey. Juan Siscomani, Arizona. Nick Lada of New York, John Duarte of California, George Santo, well, don't call George Santo, David Valdeo, California, Anthony Desposito, New York, Mike Garcia, California, Mike Lawler, New York, Mike, Michelle Steele, California, Brandon Williams, New York, Don Bacon, Nebraska, Lori Chavez de Remer of Oregon, Jen Kiggins of Virginia, Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, Young Kim, California, and Mike Molinero of New York. Call them immediately, leave a message, send them an email. The vote is scheduled for noon tomorrow. Uh, those, those 18 names are Republican members of Congress who represent districts Joe Biden won in 2020. It is early Monday morning. Everyone thinks Jordan doesn't stand a chance, and I hope they're right. But if he becomes speaker... It's only because we experienced another January 6th, this time a legal January 6th. Call these members of Congress, send them emails, and tell them not to support Jordan. I'm telling you, by Wednesday, Jim Jordan could be speaker, and then God help us. My friends say I'm wrong. I usually am. But you'll feel better if you call these people. This is the mop-up for October 16th, 2023. The continuing resolution runs out on November 17th. It's October 16th. The continuing resolution runs out in a little more than a month. What would you prefer? Jim Jordan as speaker and we get a budget passed and the government functions, or no speaker by November 17th and a government shutdown. I don't know. I don't know what I want. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to drag on. Please like this episode. That's the best way for me to stay in your feed. Please share it with your friends via email and social media. The only reason you're listening to me right now is because somebody shared it with you. Please leave comments. And this is an audio podcast. So please 
Download this show wherever you get podcasts. And now I'm going to talk about the situation in Israel. So you may want to stop watching. Uh, The aerial bombardment of Gaza continues. Nearly 360,000 Israeli troops have now amassed along the border preparing a ground operation they say will eliminate Hamas once and for all. Israel is dropping leaflets advising all Palestinians who are not with Hamas to leave northern Gaza in preparation for what Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu warns will be destruction on a level not seen before. President Joe Biden on Sunday said he is advising against the ground assault and is working with Egypt to create a humanitarian corridor along Gaza's southern border with Egypt. Nearly 100 Palestinians living in the West Bank were arrested by Israeli soldiers who launched raids in the cities of East Jerusalem, Nablus, Bethlehem, and Hebron. Hamas has a much smaller presence in the West Bank, which is controlled by the Palestinian Authority's Fatah Party, which serves as the political opponents of Hamas. It is believed by some that Fatah wishes Hamas would go away. Uh, 600 Palestinians were killed in fighting between Fatah and Hamas from January of 2006 to May of 2007. There was a civil war between Fatah and Hamas. Fatah is Yasser Arafat's organization and a political party. And Hamas is a newer, uh, I think it came out of the second intifada. Some say Israel encouraged it as part of a divide and conquer gambit. The Israeli army says 291 soldiers have died since Hamas invaded Israel. The head of the UN's Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees warned on Monday that Gaza is running out of water and medicine. Here in America, a six-year-old Muslim boy was stabbed to death by a 71-year-old man in what Plainfield, Illinois police describe as a hate crime stemming from the situation in Israel. According to the autopsy, six-year-old Wadia al-Fayome was stabbed 26 times here in America by a man, reportedly his landlord, who also attacked the child's mother. She survived. Ahmed Rahab, the executive director of Chicago's Council of American Islamic Relations, said there is no place for anti-Semitism as well as Islamophobia in America. Six-year-old Muslim boy stabbed 26 times by a 71-year-old man in the suburbs of Chicago. George Santos on Friday was slapped with a few superseding indictments by the Justice Department, some extra indictments. They charged him with stealing the credit card numbers from people who donated to his campaign. And then he treated himself to a spending spree that 
was up there in you know tens of thousands of dollars. He was having a bad Friday when he got, you know, he's charged with embezzling from his campaign, and now there are more indictments, and he needed to lash out at someone. So he couldn't lash out at what his real problem was. Very few people very rarely lash out at what's really bothering him. So he uh, chose to lash out at a Jewish reporter who asked him about Israel's policies in Gaza. This Jewish reporter doesn't think there should be a ground invasion. Like way too many people, George Santos used the situation in Israel and Gaza to rant and rave when what he really wanted to rant and rave about was his own legal problems. But he can't do that. So he made it all about Israel, but he doesn't give a shit about Israel. Hamas has any business in this building, whether you're elected, whether you're a civilian. It is a disgrace that we allow people to parade that kind of thought in here. This was right after he got the superseding indictments, because that was what all this rage was about. It was all about Hamas and Israel and nothing about his going to prison. People do that, don't we? I spent the weekend talking and disagreeing with close friends. So when it comes to Israel and Gaza, what do you want? Are you George Santos? Do you want peace? Do you know what you want? Do you know why you're angry? George Santos doesn't know why he's angry. He doesn't give a shit about Hamas and Israel. Do you, do you want peace? Do you want to figure out a way to demand that both sides live together? Because that is the righteous desire. Or do you want to fight? Are you looking for self-righteous indignation like George Santos? Do you want to live vicariously through Hamas or the Israeli army? Do their exploits fill you with a sense of pride or give your life meaning even though this is happening thousands of miles away from you. Do you enjoy your blood boiling? Because it makes you feel alive. It gives you an identity. lets you feel you're part of Team Israel or Team Hamas. Do you enjoy getting angry about something that, for the most part, unless you actually do something about it, it's just happening on your TV screen? You know... Arguing it, protesting the other side, is, is that helping to solve the problem? Proving that the other side is wrong, is that what you want? Do you want to litigate this at a cocktail party and, and drive home and go, I really showed them? Or are you a righteous person? who knows to the core of their very being that revenge and violence 
only creates more revenge and violence. Who are you and what do you want? Are you looking for a fight or are you looking for peace? Now, I hate to break it to everybody, but what's going on in Israel is not the Holocaust and it's not the catastrophe. The catastrophe is what the Palestinians call losing the war of independence to the Jews. I hate to break it to you. It's not the Holocaust and it's not the catastrophe. But when two damaged people and the Palestinians and the Jews, damaged people, they've been damaged. When two damaged people hurt one another, it stirs up sense memories from hurts that came before. We can relive the past by recreating it for our future and our children's future. Or we can do what every holy book instructs, lay down our arms now and ask for help. See, the Palestinians need help and Israel needs help. Israel needs help right now to live in peace. The Palestinians need help right now to live in peace. In that region, there is only one truly indispensable nation, America. America secured the peace for Israel vis-a-vis -vis Egypt, vis-a-vis -vis Jordan, vis-a-vis -vis Syria. I'm probably leaving something out and whatever. So I urge all of you here in America to urge peace. Fight for peace. Don't celebrate the killings. War is weakness. The Hamas attack was weakness. The aerial bombardment in Gaza is an act of weakness. Joe Biden is scoring political points right now in the Jewish community, so he thinks, for his unbridled support for Benjamin Netanyahu. But if Joe Biden wants the Jewish vote in America, he will deliver peace. Most Jewish Americans, 80%, are Democrats, and they want a two-state solution. 80% of Jewish Americans do not want to see Gaza leveled. They want peace. They want a two-state solution. And they don't approve of Benjamin Netanyahu. At least a majority of Jewish Americans don't like Benjamin Netanyahu. They don't trust him. Half of Israel doesn't trust Benjamin Netanyahu. If President Biden wants to help the Jews, then he will also help Gaza. Giving weapons blindly with no strings attached is not supporting a friend. It's giving your friend license to destroy Gaza and themselves. Nothing good comes of war. Every Jew in America was horrified, terrified, saddened 
by what Hamas did, the beheadings, the raping, the killing of those innocent Israelis. And it reminded me in some way of the Holocaust because it was too horrendous to believe. A lot of people deny the Holocaust because they just can't believe the numbers. And I kind of understood why people think that way, because I couldn't believe that what was done to these Israelis. Uh, it was hor It's horrible. Uh, if America wants to be a true friend of Israel, it will be a friend to the Palestinians and stop the killing. Jimmy Carter and Bill Clinton delivered peace to Israel and the Palestinians. It wasn't a great peace, not a lasting peace, because we ended up with George W. Bush's 20-year war on terror. Uh, I'm voting for Joe Biden. If he wants the Jewish vote, instead of delivering weapons, deliver peace. Do better. Do better. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said on Sunday he will rush through a military aid package for Israel in the upper house, the Senate, but it will die in the House without a speaker. So Chuck Schumer, perhaps since we don't have a House of Representatives to approve a military aid package, use this as an argument for peace. Look, you know you're going to get the weapons to Israel, whether or not the House passes it or not. Fight for peace. There were a thousand Jews outside Chuck Schumer's house Friday night, urging him on his trip to Israel to demand a ceasefire. President Biden to his credit, said Sunday night that Israel, occupy, Israel occupying Gaza would be a mistake. And there are talks that President Biden could visit Israel by Friday. As the UN warns Gaza City in the north is running out of water, Jake Sullivan, Joe Biden's national security advisor, said Israel has restored access to potable water in parts of southern Gaza. He said Israel's decision to turn the water back on was made after Joe Biden spoke personally with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Saturday. But Palestinians called Israel's claim of turning the water back on is nothing more than a publicity stunt, adding there is no electricity. And without electricity, there is no way to pump water into the tanks. Palestinians say pipes that carry water have also been destroyed by the shelling. Here is where things stand as of this morning. 500,000 residents of northern Gaza are reportedly moving south after being told to leave by Israel. Christopher Hedges warned that evacuating the north means leaving Gaza City, which normally serves as home to 750,000 Palestinians, Gaza City is an urban center. It is home to Gaza's main hospital. 
14 UN food distribution centers serving half a million Palestinians in Gaza are now closed. 12 UN workers were killed in Gaza by Israeli airstrikes. Half of Gaza's UN hospitals are now damaged. The UN says these hospitals are running low on basic medicine and supplies. Arkansas Senator Republican Tom Cotton wrote an op-ed piece in the New York Times in 2020, urging then-President Trump to call in the army right after Black Lives Matter took to the streets and protested the murder of George Floyd, who would have been 50 this past weekend. Happy birthday, George Floyd. He would have been 50. Uh, So when the Black Lives Matter protests started that Memorial Day weekend, Arkansas Senator Republican Tom Cotton wrote a piece in the New York Times saying that Donald Trump should send the army onto the streets to stop these peaceful Black Lives Matter protests. On Saturday, he said of the situation in Gaza, quote, As far as I'm concerned, Israel can bounce the rubble in Gaza. That means to bomb. Just keep bombing and bombing. Bounce the rubble. Anything that happens in Gaza is the responsibility of Hamas. Hamas killed women and children in Israel last weekend. If women and children die in Gaza, it will be because Hamas is using them as human shields. Imagine that coming out of a human being's mouth. Seventy-one percent of Americans, according to a new CNN poll, say they are deeply sympathetic to Israel. In the same poll, 41 percent of Americans describe themselves as deeply sympathetic to Palestinians. A spokesperson for the Israeli Defense Force says 155 hostages are being held captive in Gaza. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres, a socialist from Portugal, told Hamas Sunday to release the hostages immediately. And then he told Israel to allow humanitarian aid into Gaza. Iran's Foreign Minister Hossein Amir Abdalian met with Hamas's top leader, Ismail Haniyeh, in Doha. After the meeting, Iran warned that Israel will pay a severe price if tanks roll into Gaza. Ukrainian President Zelensky said 260 Ukrainian citizens are stuck in Gaza and he is working to fly them back to Ukraine. Like that's any better. According to Chris Hedges, the Israeli army, before the current assault, had killed 7,779 Palestinians in Gaza since 2000, including 1,741 children and 572 women. Hedges says he got those numbers from the Israeli human rights group, B'Tselem. Martin Griffiths is the UN relief coordinator. Over the weekend, he said the specter, quote, the specter of death is hanging over Gaza. With no water, 
no power, no food, and no medicine, thousands will die, plain and simple, unquote. The specter of death is hanging over Gaza. With no water, no food, no power, and no medicine, thousands will die, plain and simple. The Arab League and African Union issued a joint statement on Saturday warning that Israel's ground attack could lead to genocide in Gaza. There are now reports that the Israeli Defense Force says 200 members of Hamas have been detained in the West Bank. The West Bank is really uh, where the Palestinian homeland would be, and it is controlled by Fatah, not Hamas. Fatah is the political party belonging to the PLO, or the Palestine Liberation Organization. It was founded by Yasser Arafat. They fought a civil war with Hamas, like I said earlier, in 2006 and 2007. The putative president of Palestine is President Mahmoud Abbas. He replaced Yasser Arafat, Chairman Arafat. On Sunday, he said the PLO, not Hamas, represents the Palestinian people. He then condemned Hamas's attack against Israeli citizens. Police in Paris broke up a pro-Palestinian protest after the government ordered any public displays of support for Hamas against the law. You're, you're not allowed in France to stage protests in support of Hamas. In Washington, thousands of people protested in front of the White House to show solidarity with the Palestinians. Like I said to my friends, my Jewish friends, it's a lot of people. A lot of people protesting Israel. In Turkey, thousands marched in Istanbul to show support for Gaza. The president of Turkey, Erdogan, is working with Egypt to get humanitarian aid into Gaza. On Sunday, 27 members of the EU issued an official condemnation of Hamas's attack on Israel. In Argentina, thousands marched in support of Israel. I just wonder, uh, it's good to support who you support. Be nice to see Jews and Palestinians marching together for peace. There was a big protest up at Columbia and one side you had the, the pro-Palestinians, and the other side you had the Zionists, the pro-Israelis, and they should be marching together for peace, for peace talks, for diplomacy. Relations between Israel 
and Saudi Arabia are now in a holding pattern. Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, as recently as September, said every day the two countries, Saudi Arabia and Israel, were getting closer. This was back in September. He added back then, however, that the Palestinian issue was still a sticking point. Hamas, however, gets its funding from Iran, and Saudi Arabia is a mortal enemy of Iran, so his commitment to Hamas might not be so strong. The Biden administration uh, was conducting high-level negotiations between Saudi Arabia and Israel. It would have involved Israel assisting Saudi Arabia in building nuclear power plants in exchange for Saudi Arabia agreeing to some sort of security arrangement. Biden administration said the negotiations between Saudi Arabia and Israel to normalize relations are now on hold. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is still in the Middle East. He met with Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman on Sunday. Blinken also had talks in Egypt on how to provide safe passage along the Rafah border, crossing for Americans trapped in Gaza. And finally, here is my latest invention, a bidet for your cat. It's a prototype. Uh, the people who live below me don't like it because of the flooding. But when Mrs. Nugget uh, licks herself where she shouldn't lick herself and then decides she wants to give me a kiss, I turn away from her because it's disgusting. And I think it's a form of emotional abuse. My resisting Mrs. Nugget's kisses, uh, I think it's unfair. And she feels rejected, isolated, and alone. But again, after she goes, she cleans herself, and <laughs> you're not kissing me with that. So I invented a bidet for Mrs. Nugget, and uh, now i got to still invent a way for her to stop cleaning herself. Uh, she's still cleaning herself down there. So I don't know what to do. I want to be able to have a cat-human relationship with Mrs. Nugget where she can kiss me, but as long as she continues to clean herself down there after she goes, I am... Uh... So the bidet works, unless you live below me. But the bidet works, she's clean, but she's... I don't know what it is. She's still, I guess she has OCD. She just keeps cleaning herself down there. Maybe, you know, they say if you've done something wrong and you feel guilty, you, you're constantly cleaning yourself. Maybe Mrs. Nugget has been a outdoor cat. And if you're an outdoor cat, you're a serial killer. Cats are serial killers. They are. Entire species of birds have disappeared because of cats. They're adorable serial killers. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. What do I have here? Oh, 
uh, and I took my dog to charm school. Where is it? This is, you're going to love this. Uh, you know, he drinks out of the toilet. So I've, uh, I, I took him to charm school. Now he's using a glass. It's much more civilized. I mean, you can't stop them from drinking out of the toilet. He, he's using a ladle here. Uh, it's my friend's dog who came over. Yeah, this is our friend's dogs. And, uh, and then they had a party. And they used, uh, you know, they all drink out of the toilet, so I let them use it as a punch bowl. This is Roger, uh, waiting for company to come over. That's Nikolai. That's Michael. They're just putting together their own little recipes for punch. And then, then the party started. And uh, Benny fell in. And then things got out of hand. And Chester got sick. And the party was over. Chester got sick. Threw up in the punch bowl. Please share this. Please like this. Please subscribe. Please send me medication. Any kind. I'll take anything you got. Anything. Whatever you got. Um... I taught my cat how to use... See, this is how you get a cat to use the toilet. You put the kitty litter in... Okay. There's a, a theme here. I don't know if you've noticed this. It's, uh, believe it or not, this is the only politically correct humor you're allowed to do these days. Thank you. Thank you. If anybody's in the chat room, thank you. And uh, I'll see everybody tomorrow at 12.05. Absolutely. No more late shows. 12.05. Do I have anything else? Hang on. Well, I have one that's just too disgusting. Hang on. I think teaching a dog... How to use a glass when they drink out of the toilet. Oh, I uh, taught my dog. This is how you get your dog to stop drinking out of the toilet. You put raw meat in the toilet. So he just eats out of the toilet. All right. I need help. Goodbye. Send me medication. 